know by this we show our love to you by the way we can meet your commandments, how we respond to your word. And so, Father, this morning, as Skulk just ministers and uh, preaches this morning, we just pray. We thank you for him. We pray that your anointing will just rest on him. Father, I thank you, Lord, that he can just open his mouth and let's allow the Lord Jesus just to speak in and through him this morning. I pray for receptive hearts in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Let's try again. Good morning, everyone. I know, I know um, we're doing things a little bit different today and this morning, but can I, uh, can I quickly ask you, before we, before we start, just to close your eyes where you are, and it just felt like we're, there's things going on and all these things, just, just set our hearts on Jesus, just where you are. And let's just say, Father, we, I thank you that you are with us. Thank you for your presence. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, that this morning us coming to you is because of your blood, Lord. It's because of your broken body. It's because of the resurrection, Jesus, that you're alive. We thank you for that, Lord. Just where you are, just set your heart on Jesus. Just think about how good he is. Think about His mercy. Think about His grace. He died for us, although we didn't deserve it. He loves us. Not because we're special. <laughs> he loves us because He loves us. <laughs> just full. Let's, let's fill our hearts and fill our minds just with who Jesus is. The Lamb that was slain. Perfect one, perfect sacrifice. Think about it. Sing this line. There is no thing I desire. Just that line, just sing that out. There is no thing I desire. There is no thing I desire. That compares to you. And we just sing that out, just where you are. Just sing, sing that to the Lord. And there is nothing I desire. And there is nothing I desire. Every voice. There is nothing I desire that compares to you. Can we sing it with faith? That's where you are, Lord. We want you. Just sing that out. 
And there is nothing I desire. Oh, sing it out. There is nothing I desire. Oh, there is nothing I desire that compares to you. Just one more time, just with everything that we are. Let's just sing that. Oh, there is nothing. Oh, there is nothing I desire. Oh, there is nothing I desire. Oh, there is nothing I desire. That compares to you, Jesus. Just one more time, just softly, let's just sing it. And there is nothing. Father, we just want to say that even at the beginning um, this morning when Morris played that song, we just want to say nothing else. There's nothing else that we want, Father, that uh, today the end of everything is you. Lord, you're the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, Jesus. Then there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that, Father, we can say, Lord, or, 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 or to try and win your favor this morning. But I thank you, Lord, that you are here because you've given your son. Lord, that you are here this morning. Your presence are here because you've given your son, Lord. You've made a way, God. And I thank you that this morning we can see and this morning we can hear, Lord. And we can know that you are close, very close. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I think it's always good just to set our hearts on Jesus and to be filled just with who He is. I think that's the best thing that we can do. Think about His goodness. Think about His mercy. Think about His grace. Think about what He has done for us. Communion is such a precious time when we, we actually do that and set our hearts on Jesus and allow just who He is to fill us. But I want to encourage you to do it as often as possible. As often as possible, think about Him, as often as possible, ponder on Him, as often as possible, um, allow His character to fill your heart and your mind. And we've been um, preaching um, at the start of this year now, I think for the past two months, we just, we preached about on who, who God is, and we preached a lot on faith and on trusting Him. And this morning, I know last Sunday, Derek um, preached about um, abiding in Him, um, John 15, and I want to almost continue with this theme uh, this Sunday, um, and I want to almost, a practical outflow of abiding is prayer. Now, if you want to give a title to what I want to share today, is it's, it's actually very easy. I, I have this question I want to start with, and you can make this the title, and it's, am I called to, pray, to pray? Am I called to pray? Am I called to pray? 
And I think most of you know the answer on this. Most of you would be able to say yes, because we've been taught, most of us, that yes, you need to pray. But actually, you know, it's, it's often there's a difference between knowing what we need to do and actually having the heart and doing it. Does it make sense? It's so easy for us to do the right thing, but I think the thing that we as a congregation need to fight for is actually having the heart. And from the heart, the flow would be prayer. And from the heart, the flow would be um, reading the Bible. And from the heart, the f- you know, that, that would be the, the, just the flow because it's who we is, who we are. And prayer is a value for us as a church and, and as Josh Jen. It's something that we value dearly. And um, I want to start off by uh, mentioning that I grew up in a, in a, an, in a church um, that where the Bible was valued. You constantly heard, pre- uh, you know, a, a preachers and, uh, you know, based on Scripture. And, you know, there were um, Bible reading uh, plans and all these things, which, which is very good. I mean, we love the Word of God. But yet when it came to prayer, something that we did, uh, it, it was actually... Um, almost isolated to something that we did at the start of the service, at the end of the service, before you eat, and before you go to bed. That is when you pray. You know, that was your, your prayer ritual. And uh, to be honest, when I grew up, I actually found prayer very boring. It was a very boring thing for me to do. It was literally that, you know, in my heart, I've, I've seen it as a ritual. But then I got saved. I was 14 years old and I got saved and something happened. There wasn't necessarily some, or someone that took me by the hand and said, you know, read, read the Bible and, and say this prayer. And, you know, and I felt different. But I, I, I got saved. And when I started reading the Bible and started praying again, it suddenly felt alive. There was a difference. And I would, as far as going to, I would, I would go as far as saying that the difference was his presence. The difference was his presence. Suddenly... I read his word and it didn't feel dead. And suddenly I prayed and it didn't feel like, you know, I was I was praying into the into the roof. Or well, what is that saying in Afrikaans? We say that foof my bit in a duck fast. I don't know if you've heard that. We've often heard that saying, and even most of you, I'm sure, has felt like that in past times. Okay, but being a, being a teenager, the, the, then there came a season. You know, I've discovered this new hunger for, for reading the Bible and new hunger for praying. And there they came this season in my life that I, I felt like God was leading me to another church. The church was a little bit similar to us. And I got there and obviously they were, they, I mean, they were, again, preaching out of the Word and they were praying. But something struck me while looking around me that I, I suddenly realized that although they're doing the right thing, it looks different compared to the previous church that I was in, still it seemed like it was not necessarily alive to the people around me. And there I've realized that we often find ourselves in that place. We find ourselves in that place. And I'm going to focus more on the prayer side, but I'm putting prayer and reading the Bible together this morning. But we often find ourselves back to that place where we become familiar with the Word of God and familiar with prayer. And because we're so familiar, we actually stop practicing these two disciplines or actions. And the outflow of our heart, our hearts become hardened, and suddenly we find ourselves bored in these places. I don't know. Is it just me? I mean, I find myself there. Is there anyone else? 
Okay, three people. That's awesome. I'm preaching to you then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to read this this um, quote to you this morning. And it's one by Charles Spurgeon. It says the following. It says, True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Okay. That is true prayer. That's what I want to, that if I want to summarize what I'm going to speak about this morning. That is what I want to speak about this morning. Prayer is not us trying to twist God's arm to do something special and to get a, a blessing from Him. Yes, sometimes there is part of it that we bring our anxieties and our fears before the Lord. And we do ask Him for certain needs in our hearts. But that must be an outflow of communion with God, fellowship with God. That is what prayer is. It's abiding, as Derek spoke about last Sunday. It is a practical tool for us to abide with Jesus. And if you don't know, you and I, we were created to abide with Jesus. That's your ultimate purpose in this life. Before you are called to the workplace, before you are called to lead a church, before you are called to be very special, <laughs> you are called to abide in Jesus. That is your identity. You've not been created for anything else. Nothing else would be able to satisfy you like Jesus. But I want to say this, and I just want to give this context before I go on. I don't believe prayer, because I know we have this saying sometimes, we actually spoke about it as elders also, but I don't, we, we don't believe, or I don't believe, that prayer is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. Because if you look at different religions, they also, they also believe in prayer. What makes, what makes our prayer different? Jesus. <laughs> There's a difference praying to a, a God that's alive and a God that's not alive. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Jesus is the foundation. If you take Jesus away, then prayer and all these things, you know, doesn't make sense. But because of Jesus, we can pray this morning. Because of Jesus, we can read the Bible this morning. Okay. Um, you would see I'll use a lot of Scripture. I believe Scripture preaches for itself. <laughs> So if I use a lot of scripture, I mean, read with me, write it down, go and look at it on your own. But I love using scripture because I, yeah, more than hearing what I have to say about it, I think it's good to see what scripture says about it. So I want to ask this question, why do we pray? Why prayer? Why is it important? And I want to make two points this morning. And the first one, you can open your Bibles or you can read with me. You can write down if you're taking notes, Luke 5 verse 16. Look, 5, verse 16. Now, you, you see, it says he. He refers to Jesus. It's speaking about Jesus. So I'm quickly going to read that for you. But he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. That sounds very simple. Let's go on. Mark 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning. We don't like that phrase. <laughs> While it was still dark, we also don't like that phrase. He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Luke 6, verse 12, it actually just says the same thing. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night, we also don't like that phrase, he continued in prayer to God. Why do we pray? Because Jesus prayed. <laughs> we pray because Jesus prayed. And for some reason, we think 
and I'm speaking, when I say we, I, I'm speaking about myself also included there. That, you know, I, if Jesus prayed, why do we sometimes think that we can function without it? <laughs> like, what, if Jesus needed to pray, why would, why would I, you know, not make it a priority in my life? Why, why, why are we okay with the lack of prayer in our life? If Jesus, who is God, had to pray, then obviously we also need to pray. That's my first point I want to make this morning. We pray because Jesus prayed. The um, second point I want to make, why we pray. Romans 12 verse 12. Again, I'm just going to give three scriptures for this. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Okay, I'm going to come back to that word, constant, Dana. Acts 2, verse 42. This is a verse that we and Josh Jane, we use quite a lot. It says, and they, what did they do? And they devoted, everyone say devoted, themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, I quickly want to stand still at that word devoted. Because devoted, we, I would, if you would ask me what does devoted mean, I would say simply to give yourself, you know, to give yourself to something. I'm devoted to this, so I give myself to it. But if you actually go and look at the meaning of devoted and the original meaning of devoted, it is the following, and it's, it just it changes it a little bit. It's still the same thing, but it just gives a little bit more power to that word devoted. It's being dedicated to a task, and then the second one, appointed for it. I love that. Devoted, appointed for it. So if we go and look at Romans 12, verse 12, that says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. That word constant is... Um, the ESV translator is constant. Some of the other translations says, says devoted. Now, devoted basically, as I mentioned, referred to us being appointed for it. You were made to pray. We cannot live without prayer. You and I, we cannot not pray. We cannot, I, I want to go as far as saying, we cannot say we follow Jesus. <laughs> but when we look at our lives, when we look in our, in the way that we we study the Word of God in the way that we pray, that that actually, you know, there's no reality of abiding with Jesus, but we say we follow Jesus. I struggle with that. Maybe it's just me. But you need to know, devoted means you are appointed for it. So when it says be devoted in prayer, constant in prayer, it's actually saying you were appointed to pray. Isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful for me. <laughs> um, so I want to use this example. I mean, I married Ingrid, and this was probably my last time preaching before our baby girl comes, so that's very cool. Next two or three weeks, um, she, or one day, we don't know. <laughs> Maybe in an hour, we don't know. Um, <clears throat> finish this preach quickly. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, Am I, when I married Ingrid, I became devoted to Ingrid. Okay, we, we made a covenant before the Lord, and I said, I am devoted to you. Does devoted mean that I need to speak to Ingrid 
Like every, every minute I must say a word to Ingrid. No, that's not what I mean. Okay? I mean, I go to work. Okay, I'm the only one working. <laughs> uh, I go to work. Um, but there's a clear pattern in my life. Then it comes to my wife and anything else. My wife is a priority in my life. I'm devoted to her. So if you look at my whole life, you would see that the way that I arrange my life, the way that I do life, is that Ingrid takes priority in my life. So if I need to choose between Ingrid and work, I must probably will choose Ingrid. If she calls me next week and say, baby, it's time, I'm not going to go and say, listen, wait until two. I need to finish work. Okay? I am devoted to Ingrid, which means I'm most probably not even going to let my boss know I'm going to climb on my car I'm going to drive and send him an SMS. Um, <laughs> but I am devoted to her. And similar in prayer. You know, we easily can say, but I am devoted in prayer. I have times of prayer. I, I put out my five minutes of prayer, you know, in the morning and five minutes of prayer in the evening. Yes, but if I had to take your life and look at the pattern of your life, would it be said of you, that you made, a, made it a priority to pray, to commune with Jesus. There's a difference. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to put 10 minutes out of, to, uh, to pray. If that is the fruit of this morning, do that. But I'm trying to get you to be devoted to prayer, to find Jesus and to find that somewhere in you, you know, that you realize and it clicks. I was appointed for it. I need to pray. I cannot go without this. So my second point is, as I mentioned, you are called to pray. Okay. You are called to pray. John Piper says the following. He says, prayer, praying only as crises enter your life would not be a pattern of devotion to prayer. Okay. I, I just liked that when I read that. I was like, how often we pray when there's just crisis? How often we pray when there's just needs? How often we pray? And it's not wrong. I mean, if there's crisis, yes, run to Jesus. If there's needs, yes, run to Jesus. But how often our prayer is limited just to those two things. And we're not appointed just to pray about those two things. There's many things that we're praying for. I want to go into the following. I want to give you five characteristics of prayer, which I believe, because there's so many. I sat with just prayer in front of me. I'm like, God, what do you want to say? And I felt like God highlighting five things. So maybe this is not your normal five things that you will hear about prayer, you know. Um, but I felt like the Lord speaking, highlighting these five things for us as a church family. Now, I want to quickly, um, before I, I mention the first one, I want to read John 15, verse 7 to you. And I, I don't know, Derek, if you guys touched on this, but I want to read this to you. If you abide in me, okay, this is Jesus speaking, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. We love that last part. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You know, we make stickers out of that and shirts and all these things. But let's read before that it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Okay? I want to go as far as saying, and, I, and this is my first point I want to make. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Prayer is also listening. <laughs> I want to write that down. Prayer is also listening. That's my first point. Also means, obviously, part of prayer is, is we, we have convo. There's a two-way convo. It's you speaking, but it's also listening. And how often we just speak. 
I don't know, Uma, if you have that friend. They make time with you and then only they speak. Anyone? So just me? Okay. Yes, so you guys are perfect. <laughs> no. Um, but I think all of us have that friend. You know, you know, when they're coming, they're going to speak. Okay. Or they send 17 minute voice notes. You know? It, or 50 minute voice notes. It's like a preach. You're going to listen to a preach now, you know? It's like, we do get them. Um, but I want to say prayers also listening. And I love that. And my words abide in you. Are you allowing the Word of God to abide in you? Are you allowing the Word of God to wash over you? To change you? To pierce you? To challenge you? Because if these words abide in us, there's something that happens. We change. And then... What we wish for and what we ask for will be different than what it would be if we just ask for things. Does it make sense? If these words abide in me, we're going to have the same desires. And I'm going to pray what agrees, what he, what he wants me to pray. Does it make sense? For example, if I, I come to the Lord and there's this person that's working with me and I know he doesn't know Jesus. And I, I read in the Bible of just people getting saved, and I, I love that to stir a desire in my heart. You know, that is His Word abiding in me. Suddenly, I come before the Lord, and it's not just me, 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 but I come before God and say, Lord, please save. Mm. <laughs> I pray for, mm. <laughs> Lord, please come, do something. We trust you. Suddenly, it's not about me. You're agreeing with what is on His heart, what is coming from His heart. Remember, words flow from what? Your heart. So what His words abide in you is what is on His heart abides in you. Doesn't make sense. Okay. Um, 1 John 5 verse 14. 1 John 5 verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. If, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. According to His I'll say again, according to His, okay, according to His will. You will not know His will if you are not listening. <laughs> we need to listen. Practically, how does it look? When you spend time with God, when you sit with Him, are you just reading a dachstaki and then quickly pray and then you go on? There's nothing wrong with that. Are you actually making time to hear what He's saying? Are you sitting down? Leave your agenda behind and like, God, if you want to speak, here I am. I'm listening. Do, are you actually setting out time? And then some of you will be saying, listen, Skulk, I do that, but I hear nothing. That's cool. Then do it again. Hearing needs to be exercised. So something about me, and I'm going to use this as an example. I'm at a work at the moment where I am doing counseling. But if you know me and spend time with me, it's not necessarily my first nature to counsel. I don't get excited about counseling. I'm not like, yes, I'm going to counsel someone. But I ended up in a, in a job where I need to counsel. So what was the first thing that I had to start exercising? My listening skills. Did it come easy at the start? No. It sometimes felt to me I had to listen twice to what this person is saying because was, I was just so bored sometimes, you know? But now, four years later, four years later, 
I work with teenagers, so sometimes like my boyfriend or, or my girlfriend broke up with me, and, and then you're like, okay, shame. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's the one. Okay. Mm. <laughs> uh, um, but I, I had to practice that skill to listen over and over and over and over and over. If you're struggling to listen to what Jesus is saying, it's most probably because you haven't exercised that muscle very much. The only way you're going to do that is to exercise that muscle. Make, set out time regularly to hear what He's saying. Okay. So prayer is also listening. Second point I want to make. Prayer is becoming aware of His kingdom. What do I mean with this? I'm going to use a, practic a practical story. I actually didn't know Keenan is going to be here this morning. But Keenan, myself, and Hoya, he's, Hoya is leading the congregation in Bloemfontein at the moment. Um, the three of us, I don't know when it was, I think it was 2015, we I had this passion in our heart. I think there was a couple of us that had random dreams, but we actually felt like God saying, listen, the three of, of we just came together, but he's sending us into a nation, but he's not going to tell us what the nation is going to be until a couple of days before we go. So I'm like, how on earth is this going to work? Visa, all these things. Anyways. So we come together, we pray, we regularly meet, and I think two days before we go, we felt like God saying we need to go to Thailand, not for holiday, for, for ministry. So we literally bought the tickets there, and the three of us, it was my first time overseas, was it your first time overseas? And are you? No, he, he went to Israel. So the three of us, first, two of us, first time overseas. Now there's many testimonies and very cool stories about that time, it was actually such a precious time. But the one story is not so well, but this reminded me of this point, okay? We were uh, in Bangkok, which is the capital of Thailand, and we wanted to go and visit friends of ours um, that is actually on the Paul congregation. Um, and it was, I think, an eight-hour train ride away from where we stayed. So we pitched up the day there, and we wanted to buy train tickets. And it's very warm in Thailand. If you don't know, you sweat through everything, okay? Everything. It's just, you, and you're okay with it. People just, they're like, okay, fine. You can sweat through your T-shirt. Your, you sweat, it's so warm, you sweat through your sweat, sweat band. Nah? And you know. So, we, we go to the train station and, and we try to buy tickets. And, they, and we're like, can we get three tickets for the tourist train? Because it has aircon. And they tell us, sorry, the tourist train is booked. But we can give you space on the community train. And we're like, yo, I mean, we want to connect with the locals, not knowing that this is the train without aircon. Um, so for eight hours, we had to sit on a train, and we were spread out among the train. We couldn't sit next to one another. There wasn't enough space. And I ended up in a very um, unique situation. Next to me was a, I think on my left was a Muslim woman. And on my right, there was a cage with a cat inside of the cage. And I don't know whom of you has ever smelled cat pee. And I don't know whom of you ever smelled cat pee when it's very warm and it's been baking and it's humid. And I was trapped, I was trapped in the seat next to this cage, which I could clearly smell there is a fragrance. <laughs> 
And I, I got so irritated after two, three hours. I'm like, I, I'm not sure if I can do this anymore. And it just uh, went on. And this cat is mowing the whole time. And you can, I mean, in South Africa, that would have been animal cruelty. Um, I'm sitting there, and I'm just, oh, I'm going to do this. And there was this moment I would never forget where I just became silent and told God, Lord, I just want to, I know in the midst of this craziness, I just want to connect with your heart. Will you fill me with peace? And I had such a sweet moment with Jesus in the midst of the Muslim women and a cat. <laughs> and I was sitting there, and I, I experienced his presence. And I was okay for the rest of that train ride. But I became aware of his kingdom and not my circumstances. And that's what prayer does. That's what prayer does. When we come to him and we ask him for peace, which is contrary to what we experience around us, or joy, which is contrary to what we maybe experience around us, He's faithful in giving his kingdom. I've seen that so much. I want to read a quote to you. Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. <laughs> That's what prayer does. It doesn't change God. You don't pray so that he can be a better God. You pray and then he transforms you. I've seen it so much. Most of the times when I spend time with God, I walk out changed. I, I'm, I assure you, God is not in heaven like, yo, I, I'm changed because of Him. No, it's, it's usually the other way around. Okay. Prayer is becoming aware of His kingdom. The third characteristic, I'm almost done. The third characteristic, prayer and faith are very good friends. Prayer and faith are very good friends. I'm going to explain what I mean with that. Sorry, I love quotes because there's people that have journeyed in these things so much, and I think we can learn from them. And I want to I read a local, uh, a, a local quote from uh, Duomini Andrew Murray. And he said the following, Faith in a prayer hearing God will make a prayer-loving Christian. Can you believe that? And in the eight, late 1800s, you say something like that. I can't believe it. <laughs> almost, yeah, faith in a prayer hearing God will make a prayer loving Christian. Matthew 6 verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. You know, that's what religion does. Religion tells us we need to pray. And we, you need to read the Bible so that you can get, you know, you can deserve His favor. The more you do that, the, the more you do that, the more He's going to listen to you. That's not, I don't want you to hear that this morning. If you hear that this morning, that is not what prayer is. That's not how we abide. Abide isn't you asking and then maybe it's happening, you know. It's abiding, we pray and we read the Word from a place of knowing Okay? Of, of enjoying Him, knowing that Jesus already paid the price. We are close to Him. That's why we pray. We are close to Him. That's why we read the Word. It's from that place. Does it make sense? So five says that only, you, that only God can do it. Okay? Where these, these people thought that the more that I pray, the more, if I use these big words when I pray, you know, I will get closer to God. That's not true. Faith is... That only God can do this. Mark 11 verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe that you have received it. That's actually a 
quite a thought. Believe that you have received it. There's faith in action. I'm not going to go there, but you can write this down. Matthew 8, verse faith, uh, faith, <laughs> 5 to 13. 5 to 13 speaks about the centurion, and, and he, he has a servant that is sick, and he comes to Jesus, and in the end, Jesus heals the servant because of the centurion's faith. And he says this following thing in the end. He said, may it be done to you. Okay? May it be done to you according to your faith. That is scary. Well, scary is maybe the wrong word. But imagine Jesus showed up tomorrow morning when you spend time to you, uh, when you spend time with him, and he's like, "May it be done to you according to your faith." Some of you are going to be like, uh, <laughs> "Please don't," because <laughs> you, I don't have. You, you maybe feel you don't have faith this morning. I mean, I've I've constantly found myself in that place where I feel like, "Oh, I'm praying this, but I'm not sure if I have faith." And you ask God to help you. You ask God to help your unbelief, okay? Help me through this, Jesus. 1 John 5 is 15. Almost done. 1 John 5 is 15. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. I love that. And if we know that He hears us, if we know that if we, if when we pray, we pray to God that hears. That's so part of faith. When we cry out to Him, when you pray, when you come to Him, He hears your prayer. That makes our praying different compared to any other religion. <laughs> we pray and He hears because He is alive. It's the basis of prayer. Last point I want to make, oh, yeah, um, what I want to explore is prayer is perseverance. Luke 18, verse 1 to 8. I'm not going to read through it, but it comes down to... Um, oh, and let me quickly read this to you. And he told them a parable, that's Jesus, to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my, against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by a continual coming. That's such a cool compliment. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will ye find faith on earth? Prayer is perseverance. I know some of you, you may be praying into something, and you're not necessarily feeling His presence. You come to Him, and you don't feel near to Him. But you have two reactions in that moment. Either you're going to feel discouraged and stop praying, which I think some of us fall into, or you're going to pray again. I think we have these two choices in front of us. And I don't know... I don't know where you find yourself, but I want to be that one that keeps on hammering on that door day and night <laughs> and say, God, surely I know you hear me. Surely you are there. But often we pray once and we're like, okay, that's that now. God didn't hear me. And we fall, fall, fall into discouragement. Prayer is perseverance. And the last point I want to make is... 
Prayer invites the power of God. Prayer invites the power of God. I want to tell you the story of Daniel Nash. Most of you have never heard his name. Why? Because there's no books written about this guy. <laughs> there's nothing. He, he didn't have a famous church. He didn't like write books. He wasn't known for being an excellent preacher. Um, he didn't have, we actually don't even have pictures of this guy. We don't even have a diary entry of this guy. His tombstone today is quite neglected. Um, you know, it's, there's actually, they're struggling to, to find any descendants of him, um, that, you know, trying to find out more info about his life. But one thing that I know about him is, that I can tell you, is he went through a very tough time in his life. His eyes suddenly became inflamed. And he was, he was a leader of a church, a very small church in New York. And his eyes became inflamed, and he, he struggled to read, obviously, and also write, because he can't see what he's writing. And in that time, he decided he's going to give himself to prayer. And he did it to such a way um, that, you know, and specifically praying for people to get saved, that suddenly some, like there was faith stirred in his heart. When he prayed, people, it's almost like God listened. You know, everyone knew he walks in a, like a, a authority. But if I say Charles Finney, some of you must probably heard his name. Now, Charles Finney was a revivalist that we would say. He would preach to thousands of, pe thousands of people and then big groups of people would uh, get saved in America. Now, what people don't know is that this Daniel Nash and Charles Finney, they were very good partners. So what happened is they would send Daniel Nash three to four weeks before he does an event in a town to go there and pray. And then they come after three to four weeks and do this big event and people get saved. To be honest, they did that together for seven years, Daniel Nash and Charles Finney. For seven years, they did that. They say that everyone that got saved in that seven years, and I, I'm not sure how they trace that, and that's what I read yesterday, is that, you know, people, it's so easy to give their hearts to Jesus, but 10 years after that, you know, the question is, who's still following Jesus? They say that number was at 80%. 80% of people that got saved, of the, the group of people that, that gave their hearts to the Lord, were still following Jesus after many years. So, it, I mean, it was just, there was a, a massive group of people um, getting saved or, or, or encountering the Lord. After seven years, Brother Nash died. Okay? This guy died. Charles Finney still did his big um, events. And when he did his big events, he, they never saw that number of people getting saved again. Why? Prayer. One guy that took the promises of prayer and he literally made it his own. I don't think Daniel Nash is someone special. What do I mean with that? I think all of us are called to that. It's not just Daniel Nash that are called to that. All of us are called to pray for the lost. All of us are called to pray for our government. All of us are called to pray for this church. All of us are called to encourage and pray for one another. All of us are called to, to just sit with the Lord and pray in an individual, intimate way to Jesus. All of us are called and appointed for that. And I want to end off with this. I think, or let me say this, Andrew Murray. Sorry, I'm full of stories. Andrew Murray 
All of us know Andrew Murray. There's a statue of Andrew Murray. We see it and we are reminded of him every day. Andrew Murray grew up in a house where he, um, he heard his dad praying every morning. And he would stand at the door and listen to what his dad is praying. That stirred his heart so much as a small boy that he grew up just seeking God. That was, it was a desire in his heart. And he wrote these three small paragraphs that I want us to end off with quickly. Um, and I want to, if we can, uh, Joe, if you can put up the first one. I want us to quickly, if you can follow with me, I'm almost literally, I'm going to end off with this. What is it then that prayerlessness such a great sin? At first, it is looked upon merely as a weakness. There's so much talk about lack of time and all sorts of distractions that the deep guilt of the situation is not recognized. Let it be our honest desire that for the future, the sin of prayerlessness may be to us truly sinful. So I'm not here to try and put a heavy weight on you and saying, you need to pray for an hour and you need to do this. But he wrote, and this is now reading in the 1800s, he was leading a church and he's saying, I'm experiencing that people are not praying. And when we say, listen, I'm not praying, we say it's, it's just my weakness, you know, it's not my strength. We don't have a choice. Prayer cannot be just a weakness to us. It cannot just be a weakness to us. We cannot abide without it. Same with reading God's Word. It's not just a weakness. We cannot abide without reading and studying the Word of God. And I want to say this this morning. We need to view it almost like this. Not praying must be a life and death situation. I mean, Andrew saw it as sin. He called it so much sin. Let's quickly look at the, the second paragraph. The second paragraph. Okay, I think I'm just going to read it. There is a holy and most glorious God who invites us to come to Him, to hold converse with Him, to ask for Him such things as we need, and to experience what a blessing there is in fellowship with Him. He has created Him. We might find our highest glory in salvation. We cannot follow Jesus and not commune with Him. And then I want to end off with the last paragraph. What use do we make of this heavenly privilege? He calls it a heavenly privilege, you and I, that we can come to Jesus and pray. How many there are who take only five minutes for prayer? They say that they have no time and that their heart desire for prayer is lacking. They do not know how to spend half an hour with God. It is not that they absolutely do not pray. They pray every day, but they have no joy in prayer as a token of communion with God, which shows that God is everything to them. If a friend comes to visit them, they have time. They make time, and even at the cost of sacrifice, for the sake of enjoying converse with them. Yes, they have time for everything that really interests them, but no time to practice fellowship with God and delight themselves in Him. They find time for a creature who can be of service to them, but day after day, month after month passes, and there's no time to spend one hour with God. Church, we need to see this. We actually need to view this with a fear of God. You and I even need to say sorry to Him this morning. If, there, if, you can, if you look at your life, do you see a pattern of prayerlessness? Do you see a pattern of lack of communion with God? 
lack of pressing into his heart. This morning, I want you to see and I want you to understand that if there is prayerlessness in your life, you cannot go on like that. Sorry, I've, I sound very harsh, but we need to understand this. You were made, appointed for it to pray. You cannot abide with God without praying and studying His Word. And this morning, we need to hear it for what it is. You need to hear it, church. We need to wake up to this reality. I want us to quickly close our eyes. And I want us to simply ask this question. I want you to ask Holy Spirit. We're going to ask Holy Spirit to um, come and reveal to us if there's any prayerlessness in our lives. And I, wa- I don't want you now to just sit and close your eyes and like, yo, I'm glad I'm not one of them. We're not, we're not those people that do that. I want you to seriously and consider this question. Is there any prayerlessness in my life? Is there any prayerlessness in my life? Holy Spirit, will you come and reveal to us this morning if there's anything in us, if there's no desire to connect with your heart, if there's no effort from our side, if there is a pattern of prayerlessness in our lives, God, would you come and speak to us this morning? And he is, it's His goodness, it's His gentleness, it's His kindness this morning that leads us to repentance. But I want you to just, let's consider that. Let's take a minute and just consider that. I want to, I know this is maybe, because I mentioned now we must view this with a fear of God in our hearts, knowing that we don't want to do anything that we were not designed to do. We don't want to do anything that God didn't intend for us to do. If you, even as you've been searching your heart and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, if you think there's a lack and there is, and you can find evidence of prayerfulness in your heart, I think this morning we must come before Him and just say sorry. Sorry that there's other things that we, we want and there's other things that we desire more than Him. And can I ask you, if you feel like that and you want to respond this morning, you just want to say sorry, can we come to the front? I want to make space for those that you just want to repent and come before Him and just say sorry. I, do, I actually do believe the Lord has spoken to me. There is many of us this morning. <laughs> Just come before Him. If you want to kneel, you kneel. If you want to stand, you stand.
just take a moment. I want you just to say, just bring it before him. Just say, sorry, God. I'm sorry that I considered other things. I'm sorry that I desired other things. I'm sorry that I've placed and set my heart on, on, my heart on other things. I am sorry, Lord. I am sorry. I am sorry. Just where you are. didn't respond, ask, I want you to sit and just ask the Lord to put a desire in your heart, to, to commune with Him more, desire for Him. Before we are going into, into worship, I want to ask you bed and ask you just to lead us in prayer quickly. Sorry, I just felt like the Lord saying I must ask you. what breaks your heart. We come before you, Lord, recognizing without the love and the communion of the saints with the darling Savior, life is empty without power. Lord, forgive us for looking for the power and the signs and the wonders at the expense of being in your wonderful, loving presence. We come before you today, Lord. We want to step closer. We want to come in and kneel at your feet and we ask that your forgiving love will just bathe over us. Let there be a washing and a cleansing. Help us not to be in a place of judgment. You, you did what judgment had to have on the cross. It is finished. We're coming now, Lord, as your children. We love you, Lord. The people of Wellington have an inheritance of a place where prayer counts, where revival came out of the prayers of the people. Today we reconnect and take our responsibility as the Church of Wellington that we're going to be your praying body. We're going to be part of the solution for South Africa. We're going to connect with the open portal of revival. We're going to each one of us step closer with a braveness that has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. So we just want to say we love you, we desire you, we long for you. We cry out for you. We just want to feel your embrace. We love you so much. Each one of us, sometimes it's without words. Give us the words. We need to be a body that knows how to express ourselves. Acts of kindness, words of love, words of healing. Let us be given the words of love that you've given us. Break us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Your Lord, break our hearts for what break yours. Jesus, break our hearts for what breaks yours, Lord. Just put your hand on your heart if you're in the front and just that. Pray, God, break our hearts for what breaks yours, Jesus. We want our hearts with you. We want to be, um, we want to walk in what you've appointed us for, Jesus. We, we want to walk where you've called us to walk, Jesus. 
We say, sorry, Lord. Sorry if there's anything in us, God, that has forgotten, Lord. That has forgotten what you've made us for. That has forgotten what you've called us to, Lord. And we thank you this morning for your mercy. And we thank you for your grace, Jesus. Oh, Lord. We love you. Just there. Just tell him, we love you. In your own words, just say, Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. We just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. Just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. We just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. We just, we just, we just.